Folks, thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson. Um, this is a paddle surfing podcast, and normally I would be releasing it on PaddleWoo, but uh, I've decided that from now on, all of my podcasts will be going out under the Progression Project, and it will be a warehouse of stuff I'm interested in. So uh, if you guys have followed the PaddleWoo podcast for the last few years, I know I've had a long hiatus here. It's been a crazy year for us and our family. But, uh, but I'm back. We'll be releasing shows pretty frequently at this point. And uh, everything's going to be under the Progression Project podcast. So it will be, you know, still some paddle surfing content. I'm a huge fan of the sport, obviously. And that's not going anywhere. But also we'll incorporate the Progression Project themes of learning and mastery. Um, and anything else that, uh, that we find ourselves interested in. So... If you like the Paddle Boo podcast, I think that you're going to like the Progression Project podcast. It is the same theme um, in regards to kind of the interview style and the raw uh, nature of conversation. And so uh, so I hope you enjoy uh, this moving forward. So today's guest is Mick Slattery from Surefire Surfboards. Uh, for the last, oh... Yeah, a year and a half now, almost two years, I have been incredibly passionate about designing stand-up paddle surfboards and surfboards. And uh, Mick is someone who shares that enthusiasm for design and building uh, surfboards and surfing. So I thought it'd be fun to reach out and have a conversation about very technical. <laughs> this might not be for everyone. If you don't love paddle surfing or surfing, this might not be the podcast for you. But uh, it is a, a very technical conversation about um, design and, and building uh, boards. So if you do love surfing, I think you're going to love it. Um, we talk about fin placement. We talk about rails, rocker, uh, volume, the sport of stand-up paddle surfing, its future, some things that are holding it back. Uh, Mick's a great dude, and I think that you're really going to enjoy our conversation. But before we jump into that, since it's been so long since our uh our last chat, I thought that uh, I'd catch you guys up on what's been going on in our lives. Um, you know, we were living in Costa Rica for 11 years, and in April of 2016, we found out that my wife had uh, a pretty serious condition. She had a, a pretty large brain tumor, and I can say that now because we've gone through all the stuff, and you know, it looks like everything is good, but that's not something that we were prepared for. I was not prepared for that. I had no idea what we were going into. And we literally left Costa Rica with the clothes on our back. You know, we found it, um, and flew back to the States the next day and surgery a couple days after that. And then another surgery and then proton radiation. And so, you know, it's, um, I mean, I love doing the podcast, but having something like that happen, if you guys know Sarah, you know, like we've been together for, you know, 15, 17 years, something like that now. Um, I should probably get pissed if I said that, but, uh, married for 15 and, uh, you know, two, two beautiful kids and she's our world and, you know, kind of floored all of us. We weren't, we weren't prepared for that. And so last year we were in Jacksonville, Florida, great friends in Jacksonville, Florida. And now we've moved up to, uh, Connecticut a couple months ago and life seems to be returning to normal. Um, uh, but it puts everything in perspective, you know, and it makes things like doing a podcast seem somewhat superfluous and not that important. 
and it was really it was it was incredible i tried i tried to do you know shows and and stick with it there for a while but you know you uh it's tough to take it seriously when real things are happening so i'd say that it's a it's a luxury to be able to focus on surfing and to think about the things that uh that we love because it means that everything else is going in a good direction you know the other night i was at dinner and someone was uh was talking about something that was going on in their work life and they were kind of bummed about it and you know like from what's gone on with us it's like it's a luxury to be able to be stressed out about something that is about money like that's a great that's a great thing and i'm not taking away from anyone who has you know a financial problem but financial problems are pretty good problems as long as you know there's not dire and you know gonna get kicked out of your house things like that but um so anyways, it's fun to be able to have the mental space again to think about wanting to podcast and to get back into this. And so um, I'm excited to do it. And, and I hope that you guys enjoy where the show will head over the next little bit. Um, up in the Northeast, we're starting to get some, some really good swell. I can't believe how much better the surfing is here than in Florida. You know, you've got points, you've got spots, it holds swell, you've got places to get out of wind. So it's the first time since I was 23 that I haven't lived within five minutes of the beach. But at the same time, you know, I'm getting a surf a couple times a week. And when I do, it seems like it's pretty good. And now over the winter, we'll be doing lots of trips back to Costa Rica. I still have the camp down there. Blue Zone, if you guys um, have been following Paddle and Blue Zone, still have the camp down there. I'll be doing a couple weeks this year if you're interested shoot me an email, eric at progressionproject.com. I'll be lining up probably two weeks where I go down and coach. Otherwise, uh, Chase is down there running it. He's doing a great job. Um, he's a, an incredible coach and is doing a great job at Blue Zone. So uh, you can look up bluezonesup.com. Um, been shaping, you know. So in Florida, I was uh, doing the hand finishing of boards, all the design work, but I was not glassing myself. And now since we've moved up here, there's some space so I've converted a barn into a into a glassing room. I've got a cargo trailer as my shaping bay. And so I'm just knocking out boards up here. And it's absolutely insanely fun. I love it. You know, I've been a surf fan for my entire life and loving surfboards as much as anything physical that you can love. Um, being able to create them is just insane. And I love it. And I'm like fully OCDing out on all the little details and uh, it's incredible. And what's, what's most fun is that the new model that we just released, the Phantom, uh, I just shaped one, uh, for myself. It's a seven, seven no handle. Um, and it's the most fun I've been having surfing. And I, I don't know how much of that is that I designed it and that I shaped it by hand and that I think it's the best board in the world because of that. Or if it is, uh, because it actually is but i've got some video i'll be dropping on that new model fisher loves it fisher grant who surfs for portal absolutely loves the new model did great in the world tour event uh, a couple weeks ago uh, i also got to comment for that event a little bit commentate uh, on the live stream so you can go back and check that out it was the first day of surfing i do about four hours in the booth uh, fisher surf great made it to the quarters so that was awesome um, other things going on. I got really into driving into, uh, go-kart racing. If you can believe that in the Florida, we started with e-carts doing league nights in, uh, in Florida. Now up here, uh, doing gas carts 
and, and doing league nights. And I find that driving is about the most similar headspace you can be to surfing, except for it's a much longer wave. So you don't get the same physical feelings uh, in regards to, you know, my buddy, you know, Kotler and a friend of mine always talks about like manipulation of gravity in regards to like deepening state. And that's something we're going to talk about a whole lot on the new show. You know, the last year, my escape from everything that we've been going through have been these very deep, immersive, what everyone would call flow states. And I don't like that term. And we're going to get into examining that term on the show. Um, you know, I'm thinking about more like a funnel or a tunnel at this point. And, and as the tunnel deepens, the periphery moves away. And so you get focused raw, you know, uh, connection to state. And so driving does that in an insane way. You know, surfing does it for me in bursts, deeper bursts. But driving does it for a more immersive duration. You know, it's like 17 minute races normally um, at the track that I'm racing at. And uh, it's just insanely fun. I love it. So maybe we will explore some, some of those states, maybe some drivers on the show coming up over the next year, I hope. Um, got to eFoil for the first time. Uh, this last week and that was pretty cool you know you're it's kind of like the driving thing to where you're working within very fine margins so your mental focus is is uh broad but but very uh tight if that makes sense so that was an insane experience uh probably do a little bit more foiling over the next bit uh seems like there's some point breaks up here that when they're small would be insane for for foiling so Guess that catches you guys up pretty much on what we've been doing for the last for the last year. I appreciate it if you're listening to this now, and I know I've gotten a tons of emails. A lot of you guys knew what was going on with us. Uh, I appreciate all of it. I appreciate all the support and encouragement to get back into the show. Uh, that's been insane. Uh, it's something I, I truly love doing, and I'm glad that people enjoy it. I don't know if it'll ever be a you know a real gig, but but it's fun to have these conversations and to have people get, uh, become inspired from it. You know, I just got an email from someone last week who said his wife's been trying to get into podcasts for, uh, the last few years because she loves them. And it wasn't until he found the Paddlewood podcast that he, he dove in and he's going through the whole, you know, I got an email probably on episode 10 or 15 from him. He's gone through, through all those so far. He says he's a huge fan convert of podcasts. I love that. That's cool. That's uh that's a very soul satisfying email to get so thank you guys for listening to my soliloquy here catching you guys back up and uh today's guest mick slattery technical conversation about designing paddle boards paddle surfing hope you guys enjoy it stay tuned for more content coming up on all sorts of varying things that interest me all right guys appreciate it all right mick thank you very much for being on the podcast how are you today yeah, I'm great. Yeah, just thanks heaps, Eric. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your podcast and have a chat. Yeah, thank you for doing it. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I've been following you. I've been stalking you online now for the last, I don't know, year and change since I've been really passionate about building boards. And it looks like you're leading the charge over there in Australia uh, in the world of stand-up design and also shortboard, it looks like. So uh, Mick owns Surefire Surfboards in Australia. Uh, and Mick, to start this off, why don't you give us a little rundown of, of who you are, uh, how you got into surfing, and then how you got into building, designing boards. 
Yeah, sure. Um, started surfing probably around five or six. Um, it all started, we're on a holiday down the coast and uh, we went to a garage sale and I saw a surfboard and I still remember it was five bucks and I kind of that line it for me and uh, yeah, picked it up and it was a heavy, heavy log of a thing. Um, it was actually a Shane surfboard is a, is a, um, a really famous shaper from back in the day uh, in Australia and um, I still remember to this day I, I picked it up and I put the nose on the ground and I looked down the board and just started looking at all the curves and the lines and the rocker and I didn't know what it was at that stage but I, I was just fascinated by the, the shape of it and wondered what it did um, and I was pretty much hooked from then on, um, you know. Uh, and then... I guess I always wanted to shape and design, um, but was told, you know, there's no future in that. Uh, you should be looking for a real job all through school. But I, I hung out with um, any shaper who would take me, hung out in shaping bays. Um, and, you know, I didn't care if they were backyard shapers, if they were professional shapers. It didn't really bother me. I just I just wanted to learn the craft and, and learn what went into a board and, and why it performed the way it did and, and to this day, every board I pick up, I just I've always analysed it, um, and and that gives me a good basis to to know if I change anything, what how it's going to affect the way it performs in the water. Um, so you never know why you do these things, but it all sort of made sense in the end, I guess. Um, and <laughs> It's, uh, Did you start surfing then at five, six years old? Um, yeah, on and off, like um, probably mostly on holidays and stuff like that. I probably didn't start surfing full on until probably, you know, 14, 15. Um, started on a bodyboard in, in primary school again and um, you know, realized that the the girls wouldn't look at you on a bodyboard. So <laughs> I better graduate to a surfboard real quick, um, and yeah, started. Luckily, had some some mates and that, that surfed all the time, and and just went from there. So it was a little bit later than usual, I suppose. But you know, there, there's a fair few photos on holidays of me surfing up and down the coast from from a younger age. But um, yeah, just just loved it, just addicted, um, and yeah, just left school, you know, shape shaping on the side um but you know obviously had to get a real job so i was just working in pubs and clubs and bars just earning enough to travel and and just just wanted to travel and surf and and see the world so uh probably did that till about 26 and as a shortboarder this whole time right yeah just shortboarding yeah i've, I've um, seen photos it looks like you surf like really good on a shortboard too oh, i wouldn't say that but <laughs> i try I tried, but yeah, um, yeah, surfed all through Indo and and just did a lot of traveling um, and snowboarding and stuff like that. I was just I just loved seeing the world and and um, yeah, and then you know realized at 26 probably had to get a real job if I wanted to you know get a house and all that. So ended up getting a job which morphed into some project management style stuff. Um, still shaping on the side, um, and then. Yeah, uh, paddleboarding came along. So I'd wanted to do it for probably two years, but in Australia, this is back 
it's probably 2007, you just couldn't really get them in Australia. They're just, you know, it, it hadn't really hit here yet and it was uh, still frowned upon. Um, but anyway, ended up getting into it and I uh, still remember my first board. Uh, it was a 10-foot Simon Anderson. Um, and, yeah, just started trying to catch little waves. And, and, and it was based more on we, – we had a summer that there was just no surf, so you just couldn't shortboard. Um, so paddleboarding was just an extension to, to get out there and get amongst the waves, you know. Uh, I, it didn't bother me at any time what craft I was on. Like I love shortboarding, but I, I'd body surf, you know, I'd shape the layers and that before um, – you know, it didn't bother me. So paddleboarding was just an extension of that. Um, and then I realized, I reckon you can actually surf these things because this thing was, was pretty heavy and, and big and clunky. Um, and so then I, I started thinking, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my shortboard knowledge to, to actually design and start shaping paddleboards that, that go how I want them to in the waves. And... Um, Basically, it just took off from there. Right on. So. Um, what do you what do you ride these days? How often, you know, what percentage of time do you find yourself on a paddleboard versus a shortboard? And uh, when you're when you are paddle surfing, what do you what are you on? Um, to be honest, it's about fifty fifty, um, and it's it's down to a a few things. One of them, obviously, it's the waves. If it's if my favorite reef's breaking, um, I'm definitely going to be shortboarding unless I'm with a bunch of mates who love paddleboarding. And then, it, yeah, it sort of it, it depends who I'm with and it depends on the conditions and where we're surfing. So for you, what, what's the what's the line on conditions? When do you prefer to paddle surf and when do you prefer to surf? Because I know for me, I don't necessarily enjoy paddle surfing when it's really small. I think I'd rather be on a longboard. Um and as the waves get better, I like to paddle surf until it gets to a certain point to then I want a shortboard. Uh, what's your yeah, line? Um, actually, I, I like paddleboarding when it's small. Um, I've got uh, a, like a 10 foot six by 32, I think it is, like a soft top that I, I pop the fins out of, just just use a little trailing fin and, you know, start doing helicopters and spins oh, and, and all that type of stuff. Um if it gets you know, a little bigger than that, I've got a 10-foot nose rider paddleboard um, called the Jayhawk that I really like. Um, and then as it gets progressively better, I've got smaller and smaller and more high-performance boards that I like using. Um, and even in small summer, on shore conditions, I've got um, you know some sort of more vanguard parallel rail-style boards that, that I can get out there and enjoy that in. So... Is that the Slayer? I'm looking at your website yeah, right now Slayer. as we're talking. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's I a good looking that. board. That's actually um, I, I designed the first one in, in 2009, um, and while everyone was still riding 10 foot plus boards, I, I thought nah. I, so I I, I, I uh, shaped a seven six. Um, wow. That had it was it had a lot. I think I had about 126 liters of volume, uh, really wide tail, parallel rails, and I've got photos back in 09, just like whole board out of the water, just just loving it, you know. Um, and but but the Slayer's been the model that I've messed with the most, if you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. every 
every season I'll, I'll shape another couple of totally radical changes to it where most other boards I'll tweak it a little bit and yeah it needs this little change it needs that where the slayer's like almost like an open slather if you know what I mean it's just that that's the model I love messing with um you know running belly channels and channels right up through the nose and yeah I, I love this, messing with that one yeah is this your latest model online right now that I'm checking out no that's about two seasons old okay um, as embarrassing as it is the 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 website's yeah, pretty lacking behind. I throw a lot of stuff up on on Instagram. Actually, we, we get a lot of orders, custom orders, and that through Instagram and and Facebook and that. And um, it's uh, I just love you know cranking out some vids and throwing stuff on Instagram and that. And we're we're still rebuilding the website, so it's almost like I don't want to put I don't want to spend time on the old website when we're building the new one. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's 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 not a good look, but it's it's how it is. So. For everyone out there, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, surefire boards. Surefire boards. Yeah. Right on. Um, does do you still have that same? So some of the stuff that, and I think this conversation is going to get fairly technical. So hopefully, anyone listening is going to, you know, be super into surfboards and enjoy the technical aspect of this conversation. But the reason that I want to talk to Mick is that I think he's one of the guys leading the forefront of design. And that's really where I've spent all my time in surfing in the last year and a couple months is thinking about design and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. So in a selfish way, I'm going to try to learn as much as I can from Mick and I hope you guys like that. But so my question for you here, looking at that board, um, why is the hip set a few inches back from your front fins instead of kind of right there as a pivot point where the, the trailing edge of the fin would be? What's the difference that for that? Yeah, that that was just down to the size of that model. Um, okay. So that that's the is that the seven six or the seven eight? Um, so most most of the models I design for myself and then have to scale down unless they're for a team rider. Okay. So it's hard. Like I'm I'm six four and go between about ninety four to a hundred kilos depending on what time of year it is. All right. Um, and it I am. So a lot of the models. I have to squeeze enough volume and that in for me to test it. Um, some of the smaller stuff like the Vandal and, and stuff like that, I, I, I leave that up to my team riders because I can't get down to the, the volumes that they ride. Um, but that that was down to just having more parallel rail to, to give you the speed. It's um, just and extending that rail line then. Extending the rail line basically yeah, okay. is what it was. Um, but still allowing it to, to come in um, to give you the, the drive off the tail and the release. So um, That's something because my Barra model has the hip and the tail and it played around a lot with where I'm, I'm putting that hip in regards, in, in regards to fin position too, um, which is oh, just this whole I, can of worms, man. I spent all summer on fin position. It's, it, it's, and actually, it's one of those things where I think the more I study it, the more I understand, but the more questions I have about it too. Totally, I've I've got I've got boards with you know up to nine different fin plugs <laughs> in them. You know, like because you like you know I'd, I'd go this one I want a heap of drive. So like like a lot of my my boards I make for myself is the the test models. You know what I mean? So right. Um, I do a lot of R and D, and you know, I'll go. I'm going to pull the fins back to 13 and a half. You know, I want a heap of drive, but it just it would make it too stiff. So okay, well, 
what's it feel like at 15? And then what happens if I come in, you know, an inch and a half or two inches off the rail to make it more of a 20 feel? And, and yeah, you just, you just have these Frankenstein boards sometimes with, <laughs> with stuff everywhere. But it, you have to do that because that, you know, you, when you bring it to market, it has to go exactly how you want it to go. You know what I mean? Right away. So, yep. Yeah. Um, so I had a board this summer. I, I, I spent a lot of time designing. It was a new, I was calling it the bar slim and it was a way to take a lot of the lead, you know, the, the volume out of the bar, make it more of a kind of a pro high performance board where the bar is more of like a, um, it's a super high performance board, but it hides a lot of volume in it. And some of the guys that are ordering them are like, well, yeah, I like it. I just want to thin it out a little, a little bit more, even though the rails are really thin. So I was like, all right, I'll start testing that. And I made this one that for some reason, it just didn't work the way that I wanted it to. And I was stuck on the fact thinking that it was fins was the reason that it wasn't working. And so we were five weeks down, you know, where I used to live in Costa Rica this summer. And I put in five different sets of fin plugs, uh, all over the board. <laughs> and I took a, uh, this was a pretty cool one I'm going to give away a secret here, but, uh, I took a set of, um, retro keels, the, the bigger FCS two fins. And yeah, there's yeah. enough, there's enough base on the plugs there that I shaped, uh, an HI, like a Harvey Ingleby fin, yeah out of the eight uh, out of the retro keel that moved the hi back a half an inch so right away i could get two fin positions uh from the first uh from, from any plug so i had about 10 sets of different plugs i guess that i that i tried on that one board the board never ended up working it was a piece of ah. <laughs> but i learned enough to where I, I designed another model while i was down there that's now i think the best the best board that i've done so it was funny it was like this whole four weeks of riding a board i didn't like to surf to finally get something new that i that i really like which is cool and that yeah you have to you have to go through that stuff and it's it's that's where you learn that's exactly so you know sometimes as you said the you know, you tried every variation and you still didn't like it, you know, but you learned off that. So, you know, your next one w would be better. Yeah. What's your, uh, I'm look looking back at your boards here again. What's your kind of go-to performance stand-up? Uh, the Vandal. Um, so we've, uh, we're doing a bunch of production boards and that. We're, we're doing a couple of new constructions and that as well. Um, but most guys... Um, in Australia, when they they get a board that's for competition or for high performance surfing, it's it's a vandal or a variation of a vandal. Um, gotcha. We've got another one called a, a throwdown, which is is like a, a rounded pin tail. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys will either base it off the vandal and tweak it, or a little bit wider tail, or a little bit less, or you know, change the tail, or 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 the throwdown. They're pretty much the two high performance ones. Do you keep the hip and the tail for the the rounded pin too? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That uh, that that hip works really good for the bar. I, my new model, I I got rid of it, but I kept the rail line. My first couple times trying to get rid of that hip, I was bringing the rail out to where it was, uh, where it would naturally end. So it is adding a couple inches to the board, and all the boards like they didn't go as good. And then I brought it in to where the uh, the tail would be use the tail as the rail line instead of the the rail um and then that seemed to work which was kind of interesting i, I didn't anticipate that yeah some 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 start, well i um i did a a 7 2 by 25 for one of my team riders um and he loved it 
and I thought, I actually really like this outline, so I'll do one for myself. So I was in a rush and usually like when I scale up a board, you pretty much got to change the whole outline. It's not a matter of just scaling it up because everything blows out, especially right. when you're changing from like 25 to a 29. So I wanted a 711 by 29 and and um, we had the state titles uh, in, a, in about a week. And so I knew I basically had to get it cut that night and basically shape it that night to, to start glassing it so it could be ready. And um, I, I didn't change it. I just scaled it, got it cut, took one look at it and went, no way, this, this thing's totally wrong. Like it didn't scale properly. Um, and I sat there looking at it going, if I glass it, I'm not going to be happy. So I just right. took a, a surf form to it and just hacked into it, like just the whole back end from about from about the midpoint right through to the tail, just re-templated it up and just hacked into it and took a heap off and just re basically reshaped the whole outline. Um, and it went insane. Like we, we got it done. We rocked up to the state titles. I think I was second heat, hadn't even surfed it yet, um, and just just paddled out and and loved it. And that's sort of now what the the, the new vandals based off is. Um, oh, sort sick. Of, yeah. So sometimes it's just you know I I probably wouldn't have designed it like that on, on the computer. You know, it was just the eye knows best when it was when it was cut. I went, I just knew it was wrong. So. <laughs> I hate that when you get a cut and you know it's not right. The, the, I was working with this one factory for the last year, and um, I've decided that coming up for the next, at least for the foreseeable future, I'm going to do, in, in in the United States, I'm going to do all my own glassing here. Um, I spent the last month like learning the process of glassing and then um, start doing that over the next little bit here. The uh, But my thought, like but what was going on was that they just cared about churning out boards. So they had no appetite for my curiosity uh, in wanting to test things. They just wanted to churn out boards. And the other thing was, is if, you know, I was ordering blanks and I didn't like them, they still wanted me to glass them. And that happened a couple times. And I just got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm just going to go out on my own here, guys. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but you can tell, man, you get the, you get the cut back and you're like, ah, oh, this isn't it. Yeah. That's a, that's totally. a tough feeling. Yeah, but my, mine was down to <laughs> I designed it wrong, so <laughs> I can't complain there. Well, no, yeah, it's usually design. It's usually you, you do something wrong. But um, what are you designing? Aku 3D? Uh, shape 3D. Gotcha. Yeah, I just find it. I used to shape on both because I'd get uh, short boards cut at one place and the, the paddle boards cut at another. Um, and one wanted to use the AKU and the other shape 3D, but um, yeah, I just find shape 3D is a, is a bit more user friendly for, for what I want to do. Um, your so, ability to save channels and do um, like uh, vertical cuts it, it, for what for what I'm doing, it's it's a much better program. The funny thing is though, is that my couple magic boards were Aku boards, so I keep Aku okay. there too to. I yeah, because sometimes they don't convert. Like I've tried to convert stuff before, and it, it um, you know it changes things slightly, but enough that you can tell it's not right. You know, yep. so must be must be something with a conversion process there. But yeah, yeah that's a tough was, one to test. Do you have a way to test if it's converting right? 
No, it's it, it it says it's converted right, but when it's cut, you you know it's not. There's you know the the rails are different. There's yeah. Um, You're uh, I'm going through your Instagram while we're talking here. This seven eleven twenty nine uh, one o two looks beautiful. Yeah. What's that yeah, word? That, that that's the one. That's the one that I had to reshape. Ah, was, <laughs> yeah. So you did that, a good that's job. That's that, beautiful. Yeah, it, that's the one that didn't turn out, and then I just reshaped it, and it turned into yeah, beautiful board. And I ended up ended up making it to the nationals, so <laughs> must be. <a> good <laughs> yeah, that's sick. Is it a big single concave in that one? Uh, it's a single through to a um, a V double from okay. about from about fifteen inches up um, from the tail. Goes gotcha. The, yeah. When you do that, so I've so majority of my boards i like the single to to v double um the only guys who really aren't doing that from like boards that i've ridden are hobie and hobie does like a little bit more v throughout i think that has a lot to do just with colin and the way that he surfs um and you can't fault that in any way shape or form but what are you doing in the nose there are you doing a little v into the concave no i, I stick with the concave i'm i'm basically of pure shortboarding background is i like the concave running through and the reason i do a v double through the tail is just because they're such a big wide board right um you, you need it to get that aggressive rail to rail and that just that quick transitions but i find the boards that have a v running through to the center they become a lot more unstable because you're now pivoting on a on a v when you're standing on it in the center Whereas a concave under where you stand makes it feel, well to me anyway it makes it feel like a wider board because you've got you've got the concave like more surface area where the water can stick to when you're just standing out the back. Um, I just find the V's through the center a bit tippy to stand on. So, especially if you're weighing what you said you weigh and you're riding 102 liters, that's you're a bit underwater there. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's. I'm finding now I'm I've got a I shaped a uh, eight eleven um, in the throwdown model. Uh, it's got the Sublime spray on it. Um, I've got the Sublime artwork on it. I don't know if you if you're flicking through Instagram, you can check that one out. So that that's a board I sort of gravitate to a lot when the conditions are a bit subpar because it's um, I think that's about 115 liters maybe, and it's just. A lot more comfortable, but it's super light, so I can still throw it round. Um, and yeah, the Seven Elevens, when it's sort of clean or I'm, um, you know, practicing for a comp coming up or something like that, because um, the guys, the guys on that we're competing against now, are just absolutely insane. You know what? What the, they're the, doing is is just so crazy. The caliber over there, you know, Kai Bates and is Kiahi ah. still do it? Um, I haven't actually competed against Kiahi. Um, I'm not sure what he's doing. Now the, the guys that are ripping us, yeah, Kai Bates, Harry Maskell, Justin yep. Holland. Yeah. Uh, you know, those guys are just next level. I love watching them. Um, love competing against them, have no chance against them, but it's it's fun just to, <laughs> to watch what they do on a wave. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, you got a chance, man. It's in the ocean. Anything can happen. Yeah, <laughs> anything can happen. Right. Yeah, Harry's been fun to watch. Kind of, I remember what three or four years ago we were out in Huntington, 
uh, for that event. And it was the first time that I got to see him surf and he was still there with his dad. And, you know, I don't know how old he is now, but you know, uh, I had a, I had a heat with him and he crushed me and he was like probably 16. It was also in one foot surf. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's, there's some comps we've been in has been really tiny and it, you know, it'll be a little bank out the back and then it fills up to nothing and then it dumps on the shore. And those guys, I don't know how, can can just get that speed and can can link the two sections and everyone else in the water would just bog and, and fall, you know. So it's just incredible to watch. Yeah. It, we So from Costa Rica, we had to move to Jacksonville, Florida for the last year. We've just now moved again. But uh, I could not believe the caliber of surfing in Jacksonville, Florida, when it was what I would call a half a foot kids are still throwing tails out the back of the waves, you know, like I'm just giving up and just riding like the biggest stand up or longboard I can find just to, you know, have yeah. fun. And there's still kids out there like legit surfing. Um, it's a different skill set. Oh, totally. Totally. And, and to be uh, under 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to grow up in it. Yeah. Uh, on that one, the 102 there, it looks like you did a, is that a carbon tape on the bottom? Why'd you do it on the bottom and not the deck? Uh, under the deck pad, um, there is carbon on the, oh, I gotcha. under the deck pad. Um, I just like, I'm all about flex. So a, a, a lot of, a lot of brands will be all this strength to weight ratio, um, I actually add the third, which is flex. So we have strength to weight to flex. So to me, there's no point having a super light board um, that is quite strong, that is stiff as an ironing board and, and won't flex through a turn. To me, I, I just hate that feeling. Um, so we've got it. We've been experimenting with a lot of different materials to try get that kinetic flex through a turn. Um, so the carbon tape, Excuse me. The carbon tape in different areas of the board sort of allows the flex through a turn and gives you that popping motion like a shortboard. Um, and if you if the if you add too much in certain areas, it's sort of depending on the layup because we've been experimenting with a heap of different layups and that as well. Um, yeah, it just I, I just I just really think that when you're when you're turning and when you you're coming into the lip and doing cutbacks you really just you want that flex so yeah that's all that's all it is just to try get the shortboard feel yeah you know it's funny is that i've been experimenting with all sorts of different construction uh this year and my favorite boards are all e or s <laughs> just the lightest you know, the, my prototypes, you know, like the ones that I'm just kind of like just getting out and yeah. they just, they feel so lively to me. Now the decks on them look terrible. Um, but you know, part of me is thinking that that's just, it's part of surfing that, you know, boards are, yeah. they have a lifespan. Exactly. Exactly. So short borders, you know, when you paddle out, you pretty much know after the first duck dive, you're going to have a depression in the deck somewhere. And you know what I mean? That's just yep. part of short boarding. Um, so yeah, paddle boarding, you're actually standing on the deck and, and, you know, bouncing over waves, paddling out and your heels are 
you know, depressing it and that. But there's things you can do. You can add carbon patches in there. There's the yep. binocell, the high-density PVC. So you, to me, I beef up a board where I know is going to be the the area that's going to cop the most. So, you know, some guys will like, I'm really hard on the, the left side front third of the board on the rail. So I'll, I'll just add, you know, two layers of extra four ounce on that section for them. Um, so it, it's a bit more protection for them there. Just, you know, talk to the customers, see where they're hard on their boards. You know, if someone says to me, I paddle out on my knees a lot, then I'm like, well, you know, we really need to beef up the standing area for you. You say um, don't. <laughs> yeah, just, well, don't to start with. But then, uh, yeah. The, uh, there's a, there's a guy that we're good friends with who paddles on his knees a lot and someone started calling him Pocahontas. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was pretty good. Uh, right on, man. So how's the sport? How's the health of the sport in Australia? Um, we had a good run there for a while. Um, believe it or not, foiling sort of taken over a bit down here, um, it's it's new it's new so everyone's everyone's starting to have a crack at that but um you know it is i don't see it growing to the the level it was a couple of years ago a lot of the a lot of the paddle surfing clubs are starting to wane a bit um you know a lot of the competitions we go to it's it's all the same guys um right so we're actually uh i'm involved in starting a new one um down my way just trying to you know, get people involved. They don't even have to, you know, a lot of people think competition is only for the elite where it's more just about, it's like, a you know, your shortboarding club. It's, it's more just about getting out there, having fun, um, having a laugh with your mates and, you know, scoring a few waves. Uh, so yeah, which we're, we're actively trying to grow it. I mean, a lot of people are paddleboarding, but it's, um, yeah, it doesn't seem to, to be growing at, at the rate it was. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure why that is, but, um, maybe everyone's got their board. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one of the problems with the, uh, you know, $1,500 boards. It's not like a surfboard where you can have, you know, 10 of them in the garage and kind of get away with it with your wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do like though, I'm going to give Justin a shout out. I like what Justin's doing for the kids. And I've always thought that the sport needs to grow from youth and like, you know, what he's doing with, with froth monsters is cool doing cheap. I think it's uh, cheap is probably the wrong word, but low cost entry level boards for kids. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. They look amazing too. I've, I've checked them out and they're, they're really good construction, really good shapes. Um, and he's, He's the ultimate frother, and he's such a nice guy too. So um, he's he's the perfect ambassador to for both both you know. A- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, actually, when I think about the growth of the sport, in a way, I think this might be a good phase that we're going through because I I think that with paddle surfing, and I've talked about it a little bit on the show, but I think that you had. And I don't know if it's the same in Australia. It might not be. I mean, Australia's surfing culture is so deep. Um, maybe it was surfers who were paddle surfing. But I think in the States, what happened is a lot of people who were not surfers entered the water. They they did it incorrectly. 
gave the sport a bad name. The sport was also controlled by a lot of like windsurf companies. And so surfing companies had no incentive to help the sport grow. They wanted to kill the sport because it was almost a threat to the business model. Um, and then you have, uh, you, you have the sport grow in that way. And now what you're having is a contraction in the sport and hopefully it'll start growing from within surfing, which is where I think it should grow. I mean, like, like you said, you ride a shortboard half the time and a stand up half the time on the same way. Um, probably a little more skewed. I have a, uh, my, I got an issue with my back. And so shortboarding is not as good for me as, as stand up. but when the waves are good, I shortboard, um, hopefully it'll start growing within surfing and then i think the actual growth will be a healthy growth and it will it'll be sustainable i don't see people that are passionate about the sport getting out of the sport i just see people that flirted with surfing or getting in the water not being a part of it anymore so i think it's a good thing yeah yeah i agree i agree um you know and it, it it's uh it's a flushing of the system almost and that that's with participators and also brands um we've seen a lot of brands in the last three years sort of drop off the system um and you know not sure if they were in it for the wrong reasons or they just went you know went out too hard or whatever but um i've always been about sustainability um you know we're we're a family company and you know i've had interest from hawaii taiwan japan um you know, a lot of countries, but I I know if I grow too quick that, you know, that could spell the death of it. So I've always just been about growing at a pace we can we can live with and um, just doing what I love doing. So, you know, hopefully it all comes out good in the end. Well, it looks like you guys are doing great. Um... Yeah, we've got a good – we've got a good support, you know, we're um, – you know, a lot of people are riding the boards and the customs are, you know, they're ticking along. Um, and it's good good to see people, you know, they'll they'll try a few boards um, and they'll, they'll say, I liked that about that board, but I didn't like that about it. And I liked that about that board, but I didn't like that about it. And there, there was never a board, a production board that they sort of liked. Um, so, um, you know, we, we can then create a custom for them that that incorporates all the things that they love um and you know get them the best board they can um and that's word that great word of mouth you know absolutely you know so i uh i had some you know doing the the podcast and the whole thing i had some conversations with some people at you know shapers at brands They, they don't even they don't surf they don't understand it at all and they don't even really care you know you're asking them about their models and they have no idea they, they, yeah, don't, they don't really get it and and that actually in, in a weird sort of way kind of bothered me like i have a uh, this allergy to kind of imposters like i think that i've been reading a lot of nasim taleb lately and uh, if you guys i mean pretty heady books but i love the guy uh, skin in the game black swan anti-fragile and yeah. he talks about the like kind of the highest um, skin in the game is soul in the game, right? Like where you're like, you live, breathe what you're doing. And I think that in the, like the surfing world, people should have soul in the game for what they're doing. It shouldn't be, you know, about just selling boards or making money. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very passionate pursuit. 
Yeah, I agree. There's there's actually some big brands out there that the designers, as you said, um, don't surf or you know paddle much for that in for that, and they're they're designing surf models. Um, but um, like I, I, I'm a big believer in collaboration. Um, I love collaborating with other shapers, other brands. Um, you know, designing boards for I, I've got my problem designing boards for a, a, another brand's team riders. If that's you know, if they want, if they think that one of my boards is going to help them out, um, you know, I'll throw their logo on it and stuff. I'm I'm just about I want the sport to grow and progress and and just get along with everyone and have have fun along the way um yeah i just i'm a big believer in that and i think that's the way i don't think keeping everything to your chest is going to help the industry i think i I don't either you know i think talking and sharing everyone's knowledge and you know i might know one thing and that other guy might know another thing that other shaper and and you know we can i can let him know my secret he can let me know his secret and we're both better off for it so yeah i think that's how we're gonna start getting ahead and instead of all being against one another so yeah so that brings up two interesting points that i've been thinking about a little bit it seems like you and i are are fairly uh in line with that last statement one of them is you know, I've got some friends that are in the like micro brew beer industry here and they do collabs with other breweries all the time. Like my buddy Brandon will fly to Asheville and spend a week with whatever brewery it is there and they'll do something. They'll do a co-label together. I think that's a really cool idea and it'd be, it's a shame that that doesn't exist in the surf industry right now. It'd be fun for shapers to come together and do like a, like a collab board, you know, model. Totally. But then that, totally. that model lives by itself and it, it is what it is and people want it cool. Um, yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, and that's, you know, when you started going off on your journey, doing all your, you know, your portal stuff, I was I was stoked because, you know, I'd listened to your podcast for years and you were so into design and, and construction and that and, um, then it was almost like you learnt the next step. You know? Yeah. So everything you think about, you have to go and do a board, and that costs money. You know, yeah. um, and <laughs> you know what I mean. You've you've sort of you've gone down the rabbit hole now, and yeah, you know it's uh, it's it's a crazy, 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 crazy area. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a labor labor of love. It's it's the worst for for me and the how I'm doing with design, and I'm I mean I'm selling some boards. It's like I'm just treading water, but I'm getting to design a few boards every month that are prototypes. If I would stop prototyping the way that I'm prototyping, uh, it would be a better business. <laughs> yeah. but, but but I'm doing. You should see my garage; it's ridiculous. Yeah, but that like for me too. I, I'm you know I can't stop thinking about the next thing or the next material I use to to give me you know a better strength to weight to flex ratio or, you know, what if I change this part of it or a fin position? Like I'm I constantly trying to better each design. Um, so it's, you know, if, if you stop, yeah, you might have a better business, but you sort of start falling behind the game, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk materials for a minute. Um, yeah. What do you uh, what do you, what do you normally use and what kind of glass do you use? I mean, don't give away. I mean, 
if their secrets don't give them away. But uh, but what glass are you using? What resins are you using? Yeah, we use um, we use a mixture of different um, glass and and a negra. Um, I love a negra, but it, it's one of the hardest materials to work with, um, and a lot of glasses shy away from it. Uh, it does it's probably up there with Kevlar. Um, you know, if you if you touch it with a sander, it just fluffs into this afro that is just a nightmare to work with. Are you are you bagging your negra? No, we don't bag the Inegra. No, um, we just we just hand lay up. Um, and are you uh, are you able to 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 get the boards light? We had a problem because I, I did a bunch of boards in Inegra, and they ended up being heavier than I wanted them to be. We were using the two point seven ounce. Um, yeah, that should be so. The the Inegra is a polymer material, so um, for everyone out there, you can't just use Inegra. You have to use it with a like a com- composite with fiberglass. Um, so fiberglass is strands of glass. Anegra is a plastic, so a polymer, and it's hollow tubes. So when you pour resin into it, it go it it sucks it up like a sponge. So the more resin you put into it, the more it will suck it up. So it's a really lightweight material, but it's thirsty. So you've got to pull that resin back out. So um, there is a trick to it, and it. it you know, it's taken taken years of experimentation to get to get the right amount of resin. You don't want it too dry. If you pull too much out, then it just becomes yeah, really dry and hard to work with, and the filler coat just doesn't really work on it. Um, but yeah, we're, like my that eight eleven by twenty nine, which was one hundred and fifteen liters, uh, came in at uh, around four and a half kilos. Um, that's light yeah that was a that was a uh, a fairly light glassing on the bottom are you using uh, one pound foam on that or are you using uh that was 15 kilo foam so that yeah, yeah probably one pound I'm, I'm not sure of the conversion but it's probably around one pound um yeah so just beefed up the standing area a little bit and yeah i've, I've, I've ridden that in like eight foot surf been absolutely annihilated and it's held up fine so um yeah it just it, it that's just, insane do, it's are the, you do your negris pressure ding more do, do your negris pressure ding more i was finding that ours were a little a little softer now they had great strength for you know not breaking in big surf but yeah. they but they seem to pressure ding more than i anticipated uh, no more than than just standard glass, um, and that that's why I just beef up the standing area. Um, yeah. I'll you know extra patch of either a negra or some carbon or or something just under where I stand, um, and that that's all you need. You know you don't have to do a, a, another full deck, another layer across the whole deck. You just beef up areas where you you think you need it. Um. So you're using the Inegra. Have you tried anything with the Biax glass yet? Yeah, I've tried pretty much tried everything. Um, you know, we've we we get a lot of sample stuff as well. Um, so we work with the company pretty closely, and um, you know, anything they make for you know, they've got extra bits on a roll, or they'll give to us, and 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 we'll try it. Um, we tried this. 
carbon Kevlar stuff one time and it so light, so strong, but surf like an ironing board, you know. It yeah, was, it just kills it. It just killed it. So, um, yeah, I've tried the double bias. I've tried, pretty much tried everything. Um, and so far, the Enegras work best for us. Um, but it's not to say we're not out there trying everything else as well to, yeah. to come up with something better. You know, the, uh, I, I, my last run of boards I've, I've done all in Biax and I like it. The strength to weight ratio is, is great, but there again, they just didn't have that same pop as, you know, just a, just a regular glass board well, would have. So the Inegra for me, it's got that kinetic flex. So it, it, it winds up through a turn and mm-hmm. then just pops. Um, so yeah, that's what I like. We we tried all different layups of, of just normal glass, and um, you know they held up fine. And but it's all little. Yeah, it's it's just the little things, you know, that that make the board that magic board. Um, and and that's the thing that I sort of want to get across to people. You you could have five identical shaped boards of every part of it the same, the foam, the fin position, everything's the same, but they're slightly different layups. They're all going to surf incredibly different. Um, and, you know, you can have a full carbon board, you could have a full glass board, you could have a full Enegra board, you could have a, a mixture of Enegra, double bias, and and the flex pattern on them is, is going to be so much. Even the carbon tape you mentioned before, you know, where you put the carbon tape and, um, you know, so – Sometimes it's not even down to the board shape. It can be down to the, the construction, the materials you use that is going to make that board go that little bit better or, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it, well, if you think about like pro surfers, they, you know, they'll, they'll put a board on ice for, for years to use it as a special occasions because it's so hard. And they've yeah. got the best machines, the best shapers, the best glassers in the world doing it. And their hit ratio is like one in 10 for that yeah. magic board. It's so crazy. crazy. Yeah. Super crazy. Um, let's see. What else have I been into these days? Oh, yeah. This is a funny story. Talking about those magic boards. One of the boards that I made a while back. And so, so you know, it was funny about the, the design of, of the bar, which I think is a really good board. Um I had the idea for years to do it Um, and then, you know, went through six iterations trying to get, you know, of of prototyping probably two boards at a time to get the model right. And it worked. And then I was like, all right, cool. This works. Let's, let's keep making this better. It went, I went eight months before I designed a better board, I think, except for the long bar, which is just a different board. Um, It was one of those ones where I just got lucky. You know, that early on, I, I, in retrospect, I, I, I didn't understand exactly what I had done. It took me the next eight months to figure out what I had done. <laughs> you know, it was, it was one of those things. It was, it was pretty funny, but one of those early boards is magic. And it's, it's one that I still ride down in Costa Rica and I absolutely love. It. It's a big one. It's a one Oh seven. And this last trip, I was like, just dissecting it, trying to figure out why the thing is like really, really good. Yeah. And I realized that the fin placement uh, right and left. There's no stringer in the board. It was one of the first boards when I started marking all my own fins, I took it over and I missed fin placement on it. And one fin is like three eighths of an inch farther forward than the other fin. 
no way. And that was that was the magic sauce right there. There you go. So yeah, it's yeah, it can be anything, you know. I've, I've you know, I've, one of my mate's boards, um, the he shaped it, and one of the fly, he put a flyer in it, and and he hacked the hell out of the flyers, um, and one of them's probably yeah, quarter of an inch deeper than the other. <laughs> But he, he loves it. He just <laughs> said it goes insane, you know. It's like on his forehand it goes great, on his backhand it goes great. I suppose it's like an asymmetrical. You sure. Know? Um, are yeah. are you doing any asyms yet? No, I haven't. I, I've I've done the odd few, um, but yeah, I haven't. Not many people really into them, so um, yeah, I haven't really experimented that much with them. But uh, they look super fun. Yeah, there's. Um... I think the fin placement thing, front side, back side, is naturally it should be different. I think how you're pushing a turn through the tail, I think, you know, heel side, your fin should be a little bit farther back. That makes sense to me. You know, the rail line, you could probably argue, but, but fin placement doesn't seem like it should be the same front side and back side to me anyways. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, hadn't, I, hadn't, I haven't, I've never gone down that path, but it does make sense. Totally. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, so what's next? What's the future of Surefire? Um, yeah, we've got some pretty exciting things happening where, um, you know, we're testing a lot of foils. Um, I've been typical me, um, instead of just jumping, jumping in and, and bringing stuff out, I've got to test and retest and retest again and make sure everything's a hundred percent before I bring it to market. So, we're a bit behind in bringing it to market, but you know it's got the Surefire brand on it. It has to be a hundred percent. So um, yeah, we've got some whole bunch of different molds we're testing. Um, working closely with uh, someone in Hawaii as well. Um, you guys are building your own foils then. Yeah. Nice, yeah. man. Yeah. So um, let me know yeah. when I can test one. I'd love it. Yeah. For sure, Order one. Whatever. For sure. We've got another batch coming in very soon. So, um, yeah, we're just – I basically, I'd you know, I'd love to continue what I'm doing. I'd love to design a range of surf models for some bigger brands. Um, you know, love to, to grow Surefire to an international brand. But it's one of those things, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the designer and shaper and – you know, that's a whole nother side of business, that that type of stuff. It's, uh, you know, there's only so much one guy can do, I reckon. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where it leads, but there's a lot of exciting things happening. So let's um, continue, continue on, continuing on. Right on, man. Well, um, any trips planned uh, to the States or otherwise? Where, where, you set, where can people buy your boards? Let's start there. Uh, yeah, just uh, probably message me through Instagram. The new website should be live in about two weeks, um, which you can then um, obviously email and, and buy through that um, as well. So all the customs and there's a lot of a lot of the custom models uh, aren't actually production models. Um, so we've got a whole bunch more of of designs in customs i mean production boards you can't for me to do all the different designs i've done in production boards it would 
it would just be an absolute nightmare. So, um, you know, we can do basically any design, any shape, custom, and um, and yeah, the production boards we we pretty much stick to. One of our biggest selling production boards is actually um, like a wide model called the the Degenerate. It's thirty two inches wide, but um, it's got a really pulled in nose and tail with a lot of the the foam taken out of the nose and tail. So it it surfs like a board probably 29 inches, 30 inches wide. So it surfs insane, but it's got a lot of the stability there. So um, that's like one of our biggest selling production boards. Um, and we do the nose rider as well, the Jayhawk, um, which uh, which goes really well. And, um, yeah, some of the more sort of cruisery, you know, hybrid-y style boards. Um, but, yeah, the if you want something – really high performance and customs the way to go yeah well and so mick is in the small group of folks that surf at a good uh, at a high enough level to where he gets accurate feedback without an intermediary on his boards and i think that's such an important thing in design to be able to do something and then go out there and feel it and know what you need to tweak uh, and by designing a computer too, you, you're able to, is what I love about designing on computer. I wish I had the skill set to hand shape. I think it's a beautiful art and, and, and I think it's like a very high art, but when you're talking about wanting to make a product better and being able to recreate something, the computer and CAD is the way to go because you can make incremental adjustments. And so having someone who understands design like Mick does, and then who has, who can surf at a level like Mick does to where he can go out and test and iterate that's a very important thing for dialing in boards, uh, which you can tell you've done. It's really good. Yeah, it's um, it is yeah, totally. Like I, I you know, that Slayer model. Um, you know, as much as every time I, I, I tweak the design on that, it, you know, you can feel straight away what needs to be changed, and you know, you've gone too far outside of the parameters here. You need to dial this back in and. But even small tweaks, you exactly right on the computer. So hand shaping, you know, you there's no way you could you could get to the level that on a computer could with the CNC cutting. So, you know, some of my team riders, you know, they'll want you know a mill or two changed. Um, you know, so it's you sort of change it a little bit on the computer and then hand shape that little bit to to tweak it for them and that, but. Yeah, like little changes, you just you can't get that level of accuracy with hand shaping. So, yeah, big believer in the the computer modeling. Uh, so I was going to let you go, but then I had one one last thought. We haven't talked about actual fin placement and numbers at all yet. You 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 mind if we talk about that for about five minutes yeah, before we yeah. jam? Yeah, exactly. Um, so here's a hypothesis that I developed over the like this month in Costa Rica of testing boards and, and whatnot. And everyone's got their fin numbers. And I, what I did was I took a spreadsheet and I went and grabbed every board I could get my hands on. And I measured all the fins and I have this matrix, which I have a couple like different r ratios of, of where fin placement is. And, um, and there's some commonality, but it, it spans from, you know, your typical shortboard setup where people just scale up with the shortboard setup on standups to other shapers like a Pat Rawson where they don't actually move fins depending on the side of the board, the size of the board. It just stays, you know, their fin placement is their fin placement. 
Um, and so it seems like everybody's kind of got their own special sauce. The other thing that I, that I kind of like came to understand is that while you're worried about fin placement, you've also got a tail width dynamic. And then that spreads out the triangle. If you look at the fins with like a right angle off of your, uh, rail center line, there's this triangle there too. And as that, that, as that triangle spreads out, I've kind of found that fin size needs to increase in proportion to the size of that triangle. Yeah. Those are kind of the things that I've, I've figured out. And then the last one is that by using a quad setup, you can kind of cheat all that because your, your quad setup will be, uh, like static numbers and it doesn't matter how far they come off the rail then. And so you get to take away probably the hardest dynamic of figuring out fin placement by just going with a quad setup where your numbers are. All right. So do you disagree? Agree? Have you thought about any of that stuff? What do you yeah, think? well, fin. Yeah, I've, I've messed around a lot with fin position, um, and it basically comes down to the the tail width at the twelve inch mark, and what you want that board to do. So, for instance, on the the Jayhawk, which is the ten foot nose rider, um, the front fins are at seventeen and a half inches because I want it. It's sort of designed as a nose rider so you've got the center fin and they're sort of trailers at the front um and it gives you that really loose but drivey um feel but on a say a 10 foot uh degenerate they're at 16 and a half um so i want it a lot more drivey on the degenerate because it's a different style of surfing so they're both 10 foot um but they've got an inch different in in fin position so um, you know, and based on the tail width and what, what, yeah, what, what the board's designed to do, but quads is another, you know, you could go with the McKee style quads where the, the quads are quite close to the center where it's more of a, a thruster style setup. Um, or you could go with, you know, two inches off the rail, inch and a half off the rail, um, you know, I've seen some quad setups at nine inches, some at six and a half inches at quads is, you know, I've, I'm a thruster man. So I always concentrate on the front and the, the back fin and the rear quads. I've got a sort of a set position that, that I like and everyone else seems to like, which is lucky. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, I, you know, add quads to the equation where you can move them all over the board and it's just another beast, absolute another beast. Um, so, yeah, I'm lucky I'm a thruster man, I reckon. <laughs> do, you do, fin, do you fin boxes for your center? No, I do it. I do fin boxes on the Degenerate and the Jayhawk um, because they're just the style of surfing that is um on all the on, on all my boards and all the high performance style boards um i've got a fin placement for the rear that i think is the is pretty much the ultimate i've gotcha. had boards where i've done uh you know a fin box and where i want to slide it is is the center of the fin box where you can't actually screw it up yeah that's <laughs> you know? terrible and you're like, that's exactly where I want it, and I can't put it there. So I've got my boards dialed in, um, and you know, anyone that gets a custom, I mean, if they want a, a fin box, a USA box, I can put it in. But yeah, I've pretty much got 
got all the fin placements dialed now, so there's sort of no need. Nice. I've been doing, I do a lot of fin boxes because I move my back fin a lot depending on surf conditions. Even when I have it dialed, I, I still move the back fin a lot just to loosen it up when it's smaller or tighten it up a little bit when it's bigger. There's kind okay. of always a point I don't go past backwards, which is where I would put a, if I was going to put a box in it, that's where it would go. But sometimes yeah. I'll, sometimes I'll slide it up a little bit just to give it the board a different feel. If you yeah, don't need that much drive. I like changing fins. Um, so that I, I like putting a smaller fin in the rear sometimes. Um, I do the same thing. The same thing. So yeah. Yeah. Excellent, man. All right. Well, thanks for going down that rabbit hole with me. Um, anything you want to leave folks with? I appreciate the time. Nah, just, just continue to get out there, have some fun, um, ride as many boards as you can to, uh, feel, feel the difference in every board. And, um, just have fun. All right. Well, in the, in the site, I'll put a bunch of links to all your stuff and, and folks can check out your board and hopefully get on them. It'd be awesome. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, Mick, thank you so much. No worries at all. The Progressive Project.